Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope, that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. The title of our message this morning is How Valuable You Are. How Valuable You Are. Turn to the person next to you, tell them they're valuable. Hey, you're valuable. Tap them on the shoulder, let them know. Hey, you're valuable. City Online, you are valuable today. And not just because I say it, not just because it's on your note card today, but because the creator of the universe, our heavenly Father God, says that you're valuable. And he goes even deeper than that. He doesn't just say it, he proved it. You ever have those people in your life that say a lot of things, but it's never proven by their actions? Oh, I'll never, oh, I will be there. Yeah, your birthday, oh, I wouldn't miss it. Hey, where'd you, where were you? Oh, sorry, something came up, right? Or, or they let you down when you really needed them, or they said they'd do something for you, and they never did, and they forgot. Well, I want you to know that God just didn't speak that over your life. I'm not just speaking it over your life today, how valuable you are. It was proven by the Son of God named Jesus Christ, who stepped down to this earth. It's why we say hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. He proved it when he walked the face of this earth. In John chapter 15, verse 13, here's what it says. This is Jesus talking. It says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. A lot of us maybe have spent a lot of energy looking for love. It's an old Out of Eden song, old Christian band called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. Great song. Had the CD back when I first became a Christian in middle school. But sometimes we're looking for love in all the wrong places and we're forgetting that the greatest love that we could possibly have is available to you right now in this moment today. Because the greatest love we have is that our friend would lay his life down for us, that the Son of God would lay down his life for you and me. So next time when you're feeling lonely, when you're feeling like you're not valuable, I want you to turn or open the Bible app on your phone and go to John 15, 13 and read this, that the greatest love that is available to anyone on earth, I have, I have. The greatest love is that someone would lay down one's life for one's friends. And there's so much power in this because Jesus calls us friends. In this chapter, Jesus looks at his friends, looks at his disciples, and says, for so long, you thought that you were servants that had to perform to earn this relationship. But Jesus tells them, now that, now that I've told you everything about who I am, about who God is, I call you friend. So if you leave with nothing else today, would you leave with that? Leaving that the Son of God, Jesus, is here and available to you, but he also calls you friend. It's powerful today, and we hold on to it. And what I've been doing at the beginning of these messages before we pray and really jump in to the heart of the conversation is unpacking some values of local city church. I believe when I can tell you who we are, it gives you confidence about calling this place your home church. I believe it, it helps you see what we're about, what we value, what's important to us. And last week I gave you a couple of our values that Jesus is our hope. When we say bring hope local, we're talking about bringing Jesus local to our church community, to our city, to our neighborhoods. 
And we talked about how Jesus is our hope and people are our heart. And we care about people here. We wanna help them. We wanna let them know that God has something for them. But the two I wanna give you today I think are truly powerful. One builds off of John 15, 13 about the greatest love we have is that our friend Jesus laid his life down for us. The first thing is that friendship is what we do. And uh, and years ago when we were planting this church, we came up with these paragraphs that I think are so powerful. It says, we model what it looks like to be a great friend. We create an atmosphere where friendship can happen easily. You're always invited to this space. We're always approachable. Isn't it good to have a friend that is approachable? that you know that when you come to them with something that you need or when you come to them in a, maybe a bad mood from a horrible day, you know they're gonna lift you up. You know they're gonna encourage you. You know they're approachable. See, we're always, we want you to become best friends with Jesus and we saved you a seat. That, that saved you a seat line speaks a lot to me because, actually it doesn't speak a lot to me, it convicts me a lot uh, because back before, if you can believe this, uh, back before you could actually reserve your seat at movie theaters, it was first come, first serve, right? And there was always my one friend who, well, I knew he was gonna get there early. And I knew that he would save us seats at the blockbuster premieres that would be packed. He would be the guy that would save seats. And I would, he'd always say, hey, Ryan, can you please, please try and get there just a few minutes before showtime? Because I knew, hey, I had the previews, I had at least 10, 15 minute buffer zone. But he's like, hey, please, because it's, it's kind of hard to save seats and kick people out of here so that they can know that there's a seat here. I only have so many jackets I can throw over the seats so that people know that this seat is saved. I mean, I remember so I'm convicted because he went through so much just to save me a seat. Well, here at Local City Church, we do whatever it takes so you know that you have a seat saved with your name on it because I believe today God's gonna speak something specific and life-giving to you because that's the God that we believe in. But this next one is probably my favorite of all of our 10 values. And it's that honor is our posture. If there is a lost art in our world today, I believe it's honor. To honor someone just because the fact that they're a human being. Look what this says. We respect, woo! We respect and trust each other. We have your back. When we think good things, we say them out loud. We're going to magnify the God-given identity of others and the greatest way we show honor is through serving. It's one of the reasons I want to show you that video today, is that we serve people, and one of the best ways we can honor them is to serve them. I'm gonna let you know today that honor is our posture, and I love this idea of posture. As someone who's always been corrected on having bad posture through his private school days of growing up because I slouch, I've learned that posture affects everything. And to have good posture in our personality and our character with honor Man, I believe it can change the world. I want you to know today that before we know your beliefs or see things about you, the first thing that we lean into is the fact that you are a son and daughter of God and honor is our posture before everything. We honor you today because God honors his kids. God honors people. And that's all we wanna do is to respect and trust people. It's what we say all the time. You belong before you believe. And we pray that when you make that decision to believe, we're gonna help you become who God created you to be. So let's go after it today. You ready? Come on, let's go after it today. Let's see God speak to our lives and I'll pray that you were encouraged this morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we jump in to the heart of the message? God, I'm so thankful that you invite us to come and see the goodness of who you are. God, that we can come and see today through your, through the, through your word, through the message, 
the life-giving truth that you have for us. God, Jesus is our friend. Thank you for that. Jesus honors us. And God, today we just want to listen and lean in and take a step, just maybe one step deeper in our relationship with him. Just surrender some things and trust some new areas of our life to you. God, I'm so thankful for our church. I'm so thankful for everyone here. I'm thankful for all of our kids out in the hallway and local kids and the dreamers and heroes area. God, I pray that you would help them have so much fun at church today and help them even at a young age fall in love with Jesus. God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. You're an amazing God. And I'm really thankful that the Bucks looked pretty good in their preseason game last night. In Jesus' name, we all say and agree. Come on, let's jump into it today. Flip on the back of your card today. I wanna give you this first blank right away just so you know where we're going today is that you are eternally and infinitely valuable to God. You are eternally and infinitely valuable to God. Eternally means that God's love lasts forever. It is eternal. It's always a great thing if you need to write some custom vows for your wedding coming up, eternal is always a good thing to write. I know that, yes, Adrian has always asked me to write custom vows. She wanted me to write like my own personal vows for our, um, for our wedding. And I was like, I'm gonna be so nervous that day. It's gonna be hard enough just to repeat after me some vows, right? But I know that when we renew at 10 years or whenever we're gonna do that, sooner than later, probably, uh, I know I have to write some of my own vows, right? And I might sneak eternally in there, definitely and infinitely, because that sounds really good, right? Eternally, it goes on forever. Infinitely, it knows no end. Like there is nothing you can do to stop the love of God. There is nothing that we can do to stop God from loving us. What happens though is that when we sometimes get lost or get distracted in our decisions, we do separate ourselves from the love of God so we stop experiencing it. We stop realizing that it's available and approachable in our life. And we, again, God just says, hey, if you wanna live life on your own, that's fine and do your own thing. Just know that I'm always here. There is some right and wrong lies and truths of today, and the big truth is that God loves us, but he doesn't force, us, force it on us. But he does give us statements like this to remind us, hey, you are infinitely and eternally valuable. I think about something like this. If you were to come into my office at my house, uh, you would see above my desk is this tiny little, I think it's yellow piece of construction paper with like this pink piece of construction paper tie cut out and it's like just colored terribly, right? Like it's markers, it's paint, color scheme doesn't go together. I'm colorblind actually, so it's fine for me. It doesn't really, it looks all good to me. But uh, what you would see about this is it says in his teacher's handwriting from his preschool camp from long ago, it says to daddy from Shepherd. And it was something that Shepard gave me his, my very first Father's Day. So if you were to see that in my house, you would say, ooh, Brian is not a good artist. Like, he needs to, I'm glad he's a pastor because he's not doing, gonna do well drawing and painting. But then I would tell you that's my son and it has value to me. It's valuable to me, right? And I think sometimes we can look at our lives or even look at people from an earthly perspective and think that there's no value there. But God sees it and says, oh no, there's always value here. I've shared this story with you before. Years back, I, I dropped my phone and it cracked and I thought it was worthless. And I remember taking it to Best Buy because I had heard that they give you gift cards, you know, for broken technology things. I thought I was gonna get like 10 bucks for it because it looked bad. Like it was one of those cracks on your phone that when you try to use it, you gotta like go get a Band-Aid because you cut your thumb, right? Well, I bring it up to the counter, the Geek Squad guy, 
And he's looking at it, he's like, okay, okay, yeah. I'm like, I know it's like broken. You're probably cutting your fingers trying to inspect it. And he said this statement, oh no, there's still value here. I could probably give you like 100 bucks for this thing. Whoa, when you're expecting 10 bucks and you get handed $100, come on, that's some good news right there. I wanna let you know that sometimes we're looking at our life and we think we're this small value and God says, no, 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 no. Number one, I am the one who breathed life into you. So I'm the only one that can tell you how valuable you are. And I want you to know today you're eternally and infinitely valued. And when people would have questions to Jesus, when Jesus would tell them these things about God and about who God was, they, they kind of didn't really understand it. See, we've been walking through Luke 15 in this come and see collection of talks. Last week, we talked about the prodigal of the, she- the good shepherd and the lost sheep. And the chapter closes with the most famous parable probably of all time, the parable of the prodigal son. Well, right in the middle of Luke 15 is actually one of my favorite parables, and it's the parable of the lost coin. And it's told to a group of people that are kind of two different categories of people. Number one, as we see in Luke 15, verse one, it's a bunch of sinners, notoriously bad people, people who had nothing to do with church, nothing to do with the religious leaders at the time. Actually, a lot of them had been kicked out or told they weren't allowed to know or listen to the teachings of God. And then Jesus, hearing all the grumblings of the religious leaders saying, I can't believe all these sinners, all these horrible people are gathering around Jesus, Jesus tells them a couple stories. And in Luke 15, verse eight, here's what we see. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I've found my lost coin. I love this. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. How many of you guys ever lost your phone before? Anybody ever lost your phone? Me, many times. Numerous times I have lost my phone, and I know that there's times where you just, everything stops until you can find the phone, right? Like you're flipping over couch cushions, you're checking in that little death zone in your car where things fall, and you're like, what is this Chick-fil-A fry doing here? Is that, where's my phone, right? You're like, no one, no one talked to me, I gotta find my phone first. We'll drive half hour back to some place to find our phone. Even me, like I remember I was on the golf course one time, and my phone fell out of the golf cart when I was driving, and I didn't realize it till like a bunch of holes later. And I would love to tell you that I'm a great golfer and all I had to do was go check the fairways and the greens for the phone, but that's not the case. I gotta go check the deep woods, the brush, sometimes the water. My phone was not in the water, but thank God there was some nice person in the parking lot. I said, hey man, I have this little app on my phone that if I can log into your phone, I can find my iPhone if you just let me do that. And thank God he was a nice guy who was like, yeah, man, been there, go ahead. And I pull it up, and it is like in the middle of the woods. Like somehow when I was spinning around trying to get get my ball that I lost, my phone slipped out, and and I'm like driving through the woods. And luckily, it showed me right where it was. I was able to pick it up, and he was like, man, you're a horrible golfer, but I'm glad you found your phone. He didn't say that. He was a really nice guy. But everything's stops when you lose something of value. For this woman, everything stopped. Now, if I had 10 phones, I would probably be, yeah, I got nine other ones. I got nine more chances. I'm good. 
She had 10 of these silver coins and she loses one. And the Bible tells us that she lights a lamp, she searches carefully, she sweeps and sweeps until she can find this coin. And when she finds it, she throws a party. Now I'm sure when some of us find something lost in our house, whether it's a phone or something of value, I doubt we run to all the neighbors of the street and say, hey, Joe, I found my phone. Your neighbor would probably be like, awesome, I'm moving tomorrow, don't bother me, all right? Like, I don't care, man, middle of the night. Don't care that you found your phone. But this lady, she was like, I'm telling everybody, and not only that am I gonna be excited that I found my coin, I am going to throw a party in celebration. I love that Jesus, met, remember the group he's teaching. He's talking to the religious leaders who held on to this precious view of God's truth and love that it was only for them. And then all these people who felt worthless, felt unwanted, felt like they didn't have a place in God's community, in God's family. And he says, listen, a lot of you have walked through your life lost. And I want you to know that God's been searching for you every single minute of the way. Every single second of the way, God's been intimately and specifically searching for you. Write these three things down for me today. God's love for you is number one, illogical. <laughs> number two, relentless. And God's love will never stop. I love this idea that God's love isn't logical. It's like, it's, it's illogical. Because for me, I'm kind of a person that likes logical understanding. Like if this means this, okay, I get it, that makes sense. But when I think about a God who loves me even when I've made mistakes, when I think about a God who has no reason to love me or even to send his most precious thing, his one and only son to give his life, Jesus laid his life down for me. That is illogical. It doesn't make any sense. See, there's a lot of things that we can try to explain away. There's one concept in scripture that I believe is directly from God because there's no way to scientifically or evolutionally, if that's a word, <laughs> explain this concept. It is illogical. And it's the truth of grace that we see in scripture. See, we can understand mercy. Like if you punch me in the face, hey, it's okay. Don't worry about it, I forgive you. And then I just go slash your tires. No, I'm just kidding, would never do that. But you show mercy, right? Like you withhold what they actually deserve. That kind of makes sense. Okay, I get it. That's what a good person would do. And a logical person would show grace, meaning that when you punch me in the face, then I take you for ice cream right afterwards and say, thank you so much for doing that. I'm going to hold this ice cream cone on my black eye while you enjoy that nice swirl cone, right? That doesn't make any sense. It's illogical. But that is grace, and it's what God does. God could just stop at mercy and say, you know what? I'm not going to punish you for your sins. But he goes so much farther than that. Not only am I not gonna punish you, I'm gonna show you mercy, but in the greatest gift of grace ever, I'm gonna send you my son who is gonna conquer death for you, pay the price for your mistakes that you've made to give you forgiveness and freedom, and then he's gonna be involved in your life forever so you can have someone to turn to. That's illogical. It does not make any sense, and that's why I'm glad I believe in a God who doesn't make sense. Because when I can't explain what's going on in the world, I'm really glad that I believe in a God I don't have to explain, that I just trust, and I know that he's good. Second thing is it's relentless. There was this like weird controversy a few years back when this song, God, your love is so relentless, right? So reckless. Like, why are we arguing about the depth of how amazing God's love is? There are even churches saying, we're not gonna sing that song. 
Oh, well, you're dumb, because it's a great song, and you're robbing your people of really seeing how deep God's love is and how unstoppable it is. It's reckless, it's relentless, it does not stop. I mean, I, we should be uncomfortable that we can't fully describe God's love. I'm glad that that's the key here, because it didn't make sense for this woman to be searching his, her entire house for one coin. When her friends were like, hey, just let's call her Sue. Hey, Sue, like, you got nine others. We got lunch plans. We got brunch plans. We got to go. No, no, no. I got to find this coin. I'm searching for it. Until you begin to understand some of the ideas about this coin. Number one, it was probably a drachma coin. I have a picture of it right here for you to see what it looks like. Um, this, was, this coin was worth a day's wages. Imagine if you lost a whole day of pay after working a really hard day. You'd probably want to find that thing. Like if your boss lost your day paycheck, you're like, whoa, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not working another hour until you find that thing, sir. It's the same thing with this coin. It's a day's wage. It's a lot of money back then. And this coin was valuable to her. It had someone's image on it, and that conveyed the value, which we're going to talk about in a second. But what you may not know is that this coin also was a part of 10 coins that scholars believe conveyed a relationship. I have another picture of where this coin would have been. So if she had 10 silver coins, scholars believe that this was probably on a necklace that woman, women wore to signify what? Marriage. To signify that they were committed and in a relationship. Now, Jesus doesn't say this in this parable. Woman could be a widow. Could be that her husband's just not around. Whatever it is, but not only is there value in this coin, it also signifies an important relationship in her life. And it's not complete with just nine. She needs to find the other one. And I want you to know today that this parable speaks to you about the infinite and eternal value that you have that signifies a deep and important relationship in your life, and that's your relationship with your creator, God, and your very close friend, Jesus. And I don't know about you, but if I ever felt like I lost that, I would take a lot of time and effort to search and find it, to find what that meant, to find how significant that was. See, God's love is illogical, it's relentless, it never stops. You are infinitely and eternally valuable to God. Why? Write this down for me. Because you bear his image and you share in his nature. This coin was valuable because of the image that was stamped on it, the ruler of Rome. Like his face conveyed value. So it would be worth a complete living's wage, right? His face was on it. His image was on the coin. Can I tell you today that the image of God it's on you. It's going to change the way you look at yourself in the mirror. I tell you what, sometimes I can see all the flaws in the mirror. As I get older, I see more and more and more because more and more are showing up. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, when I look in the mirror, I remember, you know what, of all those flaws, of all those negative things that I see, one thing surpasses all of that, and it's the fact that I'm a bearer of the image of God in my life, and that's all that matters to me. The fact that when God saw me, he created me in his image. Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. And in case you missed it, he decided to say it one more time. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That is your life. That you bear the image of God. When Jesus is asked a question later on, He's asked this question about taxes, probably an important question maybe to lean into, but the, the religious leaders try to trap him. Literally, the Bible says the leaders are trying to trap Jesus with this question, and then they say, hey, Jesus, are we supposed to pay taxes to Caesar? Because they knew if he said yes, 
he would be saying that it's okay that they are living under oppression under the Roman Empire. But if he says no, then they've got him again because then he's telling people to break the law against Rome. And either way, they got him. They can begin to chip away at his platform. But Jesus being Jesus never falls for the traps. And the first thing he says to them, okay, look at this coin whose image is on the coin, knowing that it would be an emperor or Caesar or someone at that time, knowing that it is the image on the coin that gives its value. But then he says this right away. He says, but give to God's what is God. What is Jesus saying to the religious leaders? All these people that you have pushed out of God's house, all these people that you have told them because of their background or because of their beliefs or their mistakes, that they're not welcomed here, the image of God is on them. So what am I doing? I'm giving God what is God's, and that's people. That's people who don't know that they can find value and forgiveness and freedom in the life-giving relationship and life-saving relationship that I am gonna give them by giving my life on the cross and conquering death. Give to God's what is God's. What does that mean? That people belong to God and you can step in to forgiveness and freedom and comfort and joy and peace and all of that because you bear the image of God. From the very beginning of time, one of the first things God says is don't forget the image that you bear. So this woman was looking for this coin not only for the value, but also for the nature of the coin. What was the nature of the coin? it signified an important relationship in her life. See, God looks for you not just because he's like, man, you're valuable, I created you, I spent time on you, I gotta find you. No, he also spends time searching for you. Jesus spends time looking for you because you're his friend, because you're his son, because you're his daughter that he deeply, deeply cares about. It's worth it, you're worth it, you're valuable. In God's eyes, you are valued. In our eyes, you're valued. We care about people here at Local City. Last week, I unpacked a little bit of Psalm 23 for you. I wanted to give you one of the verses that I love from the 23rd Psalm, verse five. It says this, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Woo, love that phrase. You honor me, it's again this word honor, you honor me by anointing me with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. If I can give you a quick 90-second commentary on this verse. I love that there's so much significance in these three sentences. Number one is, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You see, in Psalm 23, it's all about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down. Like, hey, lie down, rest for a second. But in verse five, it takes this quick shift from shepherd to host. Whoa, I thought we were talking about sheep here, God. No, 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 just get, hold on. David's like saying, hold on a second. Because not only is God a good shepherd, but man, Jesus is a great host as well. He prepares a feast for you. I like feasts, sounds good to me. What's the next phrase? In the presence of my enemies. Oh, that's exciting. I got some enemies in my life. Me, <laughs> people sometimes, situations. I got some enemies. But you're telling me that because of my value in God's eyes, he's gonna make a table for me. He's gonna put a feast up there on that table and I can sit down and all my enemies are gonna surround me, but I can just sit there with a little nanny nanny boo boo face on and be like, hi, you can't get me because God's my host, God's on my side and there's a feast for me here right in the middle of my enemies. You're telling me I can do that? Yes, because God then anoints our head with oil. What does that mean? It was a picture of blessing. When you had an honored guest come in your house, 
in Jesus' times, in David's times, one of the first things you did was to anoint their head with oil, just an honoring thing. So David is reminding us, and he's writing in his own personal reflection of God, that I'm an honored guest in God's presence. Now, I'm not saying that, again, it's all about us, it's not. But I, I want you to understand that when you walk into this place, God sees you individually. He sees your life. He sees what you're going through. He anoints your head with oil to say, hey, I know you're going through a lot, but I just want to bless you right now in this moment. Because then it says, my cup overflows with blessing. Now, with this, you may not understand what this means, but in hospitality and hosting back in biblical culture, when you would sit down for a drink, normally they would fill your cup up for as long as you were able to be there. So if you just got like a little splash, you probably don't want to be there too long. Probably they're not the best host, right? But if they filled you up, it would sit back and relax and enjoy the time together. See, God's not in a hurry. God's not like, okay, got you, now on to the next one. David says his cup overflows with blessing, meaning that God's just pouring all the blessings out. And if I can just trust him and surrender here and sit at the table that he's prepared for me, man, I'm gonna be anointed, I'm gonna be blessed, I'm gonna be protected even when I'm going through battles, even when enemies surround me, man, because of the value that I have in God's eyes, he's gonna be there for me no matter what. Not only is he gonna lead me and guide me, but man, when I'm weary and feeling worthless and feeling like I'm not valued, he pulls the chair out for me, saves me a seat, lets me sit there and get filled back up with his love, his joy, his peace, his perspective in my life as my heavenly father, Jesus as my friend who's laid his life down for me. Man, that is where I want to be. It's the message people need in their lives today. As we begin to close today, I want to give you a couple statements. I wrote these things down in my journal. Maybe they encourage you. Maybe they'll help you this week. First thing is this, is when you feel worthless, remember God always retains your value. See, the thing is, we've let ourselves or let people or relationships or our stage of life or success in life detail our value, what our worth is. Man, if you lose all that, it'd be hard, but it doesn't change how valuable you are because who retains your value? God. I think about my wedding ring, right? Like if you, if I were to lose this on the street, it's not actually that valuable. I just, I told Adrian, I'm like, hey, I'm probably gonna lose this maybe once or twice. So just get me like a, a little ring that'll last forever. And she got me this little tungsten ring. It's been great, it's lasted forever. And she put an inscription on the inside from a verse that says in the book of Ruth, wherever you go, I'll go, whatever you do, I'll be there, you know, it's really great. But if you were to find this on the side of the street, you'd say, oh, this, worth, this ring isn't worth that much, and it must belong to someone named Ruth, so I guess I don't want it. <laughs> but I know this ring is worth everything, because it's the circle and infinity of my relationship with my wife, and it's what she put on my finger on our wedding day and inscribed, even though it's kind of rubbing away, is a commitment that I treasure so much. See, the thing is, is that I can't let anyone else tell me the value of this because I honestly don't care what they have to say. <laughs> it's valuable to me. God says the same thing about you. You may feel worthless, but I want you to know that man, my love for you is eternal and infinite, and I've inscribed my name on your heart, so I'm committed to you no matter what. I, we see this in the, in the character of this woman, right? What does the verse say? I, I want to give you three things to circle really quick in this verse. Number one, it says that she lights a lamp, right? Now, this is a little bit of a modern lamp. She didn't have this kind of lamp. 
in the picture I want to show you, uh, we'll leave those words. Uh, go to the picture for me really quick. I will put the words back up, but in the, go to the other one. She's at a lamp for her would have been a candle. If we had that other picture, that'd be great. Uh, that would look like, looked like that. So she had to get real down really low to see where things were. It wasn't like a flashlight. She was, she was like this. She had to get down really low to check all the nooks, all the crannies, all the dust, because it wasn't like a nice plywood floor. It was cement, mud, gross. You lose a coin, it's probably hard to find, but she gets down. Her house is probably dimly lit because just concrete slabs, right? And you look down, she's down. And then, then what she would do is after she would look for it, then she'd grab the broom and, and sweep a little bit. Let's throw those words back up on the screen. Because not only would she light, because light means to see. She needed light to see. But then she would sweep and listen to see if she heard the sound of the coin. Right, well, let me sweep some dust around. Let me sweep some things up. Let me see if I hear the coin. And then after she would got to get a system down, then she'd just kind of be, as you see in the last picture, she's just doing both. She's searching, meaning she's acting on the value of this coin that she has, of the value that she wants. She's looking down and listening and getting on her hands and knees, looking under cracks and, and all in the little holes to see if she's found it. See, this speaks a lot to me about the character of God because I want you to know that in this moment right now, God sees you. Tomorrow, when you're not in church, when you're going through life and those relationships begin to wear on you again or those inner thoughts begin to take over or what you see on the news, which we probably should turn off right now, begins to just break our hearts, God sees you. See, for me, when I hear tragedies of like what happened with our, our soldiers in Afghanistan over this past week, man, I know it's unfathomable pain Man, I know God sees what's going on. But not only that, not only does he see, because he's not a distant God. What does he do then? He begins to sweep up and be, he begins to listen for the cries of his people. He begins to listen for what's going on in our hearts. He begins to listen for what we're saying. He begins to listen to the sounds of our life. And yeah, sometimes probably didn't feel good for that coin to get sweeped up. But you know what? It helped the owner find it. And sometimes God's gonna sweep some things away in your life. It might not feel good, it might feel a little gross, it might feel a little weird, but so God can find you. And so your owner can know where you are. And then after that whole system works together, it begins to search and act upon it. What I love about God is he didn't stand at a distance and say, hey, you're awesome, you're valuable, I love you. He didn't just see it, no, he came down and began to sweep in this life and listen to the heart people. And then when Jesus was doing that here on earth, he acted by giving his life. He acted by laying his life down in surrender so that we could find forgiveness and freedom. But here's the other thing. I know that we know value, right? But I love what this woman does because, again, Jesus doesn't leave it here. It's not just about finding. It's about then the celebration of, like, what, what was lost is now found. For us, it's what once was dead is now alive. There's celebration in the house. She's going around knocking on the doors. Hey, guess what? I found my coin. Sue, it's a mess in here. You've been sweeping dirt everywhere. I know. It doesn't matter. I found the coin that I've been looking for. The set is complete. Our, the relationship is made whole again. See, this last thing I wrote down, I think, is maybe for a good amount of us in here. We know we're valuable to God, but here's what's been happening. We've forgotten. We've forgotten our value. And I want to give you this today is today, make the decision to remember your value and get back in circulation. What I mean by that is kind of a monetary thing. 
is that I can have tons of money of cash dollars in a safe at home. But if I never put it in circulation to use it, what good is it? For us, we've got so much value to make a difference in people's lives. For us, we've got so much power in the fact that we were created and bear the image of God. But if we keep that stuff in our pocket or if we keep that stuff in an hour on Sunday morning and we don't bring it into circulation where it can actually pay for something and make a difference and serve somebody and honor the people in our life, what good is it? Listen, local city church, we are the hope of the world because we know that Jesus said, take heart because I've overcome the world. So we gotta be the ones that get hope and comfort and peace and joy and salvation and forgiveness and freedom back in circulation in our world because it's what we were called to do. It's what we are created to do. You know, today is growth track step two right in the back of the auditorium today. Some of us, man, we have amazing gifts inside of us. And just like the dollars that get lost in my pocket or in the wash, we're sitting on them and forgetting about them and God saying, hey, I've created you to make a difference. And this is the house where you can make a difference. Growth Track Step 2 is all about finding your purpose and, and using that purpose to make a difference. And come hang out at Growth Track Step 2 right after service. Because I want you to know that you gotta get back in circulation and realize how valuable you are. I was just talking to someone this week. They said, you know what? Usually my reaction when life gets stressful and things get crazy is to turn down the dial on serving. But just this past year, I've decided just to turn the dial up when things get crazy, when work gets crazy, when my schedule gets crazy. And he was telling me I've never felt more at peace. I'm having some of the best sales reports of my entire life. My performance at work has never been better. Why? Because that's kind of how God works it out. <laughs> God says, hey, trust me, I found you. I've given you value. You bear my image. I got your nature. My nature's all over you. Just trust me. You're not worthless. You're valuable, and that value is retained. You got to remember that today and get back in circulation so that we can make a difference with the value that we've been given. You are eternally and infinitely valuable, and God's love for you today is illogical. It's relentless. And it will never stop. Come on, if you believe that today, give me a shout, clap your hands. Will you, will you stand to your feet today? Thank you so much for joining us on The Local Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only He can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to local.church give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.